prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... After Shots Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. Right, well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Aftershocks on AftershocksPodcast.com. And joining us today, we have a very special guest who is the guitarist from UK melodic hard rockers Lionheart, who are set to release their new full-length titled The Reality of Miracles, out July 31st through Metalville Records. And of course, some of you may just know him from his time and contributions on the self-titled debut release from a little band that you may have heard of before called Iron Maiden. And, of course, I'm talking about Mr. Dennis Stratton. Dennis, thanks so much for coming, with, come on, coming on with us. Excuse me. First off, how are you and how are the rest of the guys in Lionheart doing with what's going on with the pandemic? Oh, mate. Uh, well, thanks thanks for the interview. Thanks for, for calling me. It's, it's been it's fantastic. Um, uh, it's, a long, it's a long story, you know, because um, we started this album a couple of years ago and uh, – uh, we we couldn't ever get see it getting finished, and because um, um, everyone was so busy with other projects and um, uh, getting getting everyone together to to try and finish the album. As I say, we started it two years ago, and slowly um, other projects got in the way. Steve Man being with the Shadow Fest, and I'm doing shows all over Europe and and South America and things like that with. I do a lot of maiden conventions where I do um, the first two albums that I worked on. So um, I'm, I've been doing that for like the last sort of like 18 years, and um, it, it's, it's a it really goes down well. But with with the virus, with with the, with the lockdown, um, basically it meant that we couldn't go anywhere, and uh, <laughs> so mm. stuck at home. The idea was that let's get this album finished and as quick as possible. So. It's, the lockdown for us has been quite uh, beneficial for for uh, for Lionheart, yeah. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, the a, uh, reality of miracles that marks the the second album now since the band's reunion back in 2016, and it's the follow up to yeah. Second Nature, which you guys released the following year after that. Did you ever imagine, Dennis, that the band would regenerate the way it has with the last two records? I mean, the band has released more new music now over the last three years than it did. The previous thirty plus, you know, years, and the band is arguably you guys are stronger than ever, and it seems like you know you have no plans on slowing down in terms of creating new music. Could you have ever envisioned this rebirth happening the way it did? Um, no, funny enough, you, you you said the right thing there. You hit the nail on the head. Was that um, we were asked to do the Rockingham Festival um, two thousand sixteen. Now, the thing is, what people don't realize, guys, is that. Um, me, Steve, and Rocky never actually ever um, split up. Basically, uh, when it got to around about um, 2019, well, 80, 88, 86, 87, um, Rocky and Steve were working uh, with Schenker. Um, in 1990, I joined Praman, this as you know, for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But we always kept in contact as the three of us. Uh, for the sake of Lionheart and for the sake of the band. And we always used to keep in contact and maybe just send one another songs around, you know, like little work things we were working on that 
we weren't going to use in our own projects like with Schenker or, or with, with um, Prior Mantis. And um, it was only because Prior Mantis working with um, Pony Canyon in Japan um, that the, the record company said to me, like, you're still in contact with Steve and Rocky. You've still got all these songs. And I said, yes, we've got some old songs that we, we had back in the 80s. And uh, we've also got some new stuff that's never been recorded, never been put on a CD. So mm. basically, myself, Rocky, and Steve put an album together of all the songs that we were working on through work while we were working on other projects. Um, we were able to let Pony Canyon have about, I think, 20 songs, which they mm. put on a CD called Raiders of the Lost Archive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and basically, we kept in contact all the time Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a working unit, as you know, because uh, we all had our other projects. And um, Lionheart has never been um, a band that bring any income in from even from 1980. So mm-hmm. you you do this other these other projects to create an income, which means that it gives you the free time to work on the things, the stuff that you enjoy. And and uh, you know, going from Lionheart with me, Steve, and Rocky. Going into Prime Mantis with me, Tino, and Chris was a, a mirror image because it was a bass player and a guitarist, and all three of us sung. So it was like one family goes into another family. Um, and so that was why I spent so many years with Prime Mantis, 15 years. Um, but then getting back to what you said uh, regarding the reality of miracles, um, no, regarding second nature, sorry. Um, basically, what happened was. You know, Mantis had reformed with another lineup, and I was still doing my other stuff. Steve still shanked the fest. Rocky was working with other bands. And then they said, you know, would you do this festival? We said yes. We got together with, with Lee Small and Clive Edwards, the old drummer that we used to work with, and it just seemed like magic. It just seemed that when we started playing the stuff that we did in 1980, 81, 2, 3, and 4, um, it just came naturally that the songs just seem to flow so after that festival we were asked to do would we do another album and just you know see how it goes and we said yes and we got so much support from the uk and america and everywhere else and and um that album um, second nature was voted number one aor album in in uk for Mm -hmm. classic rock and for us that was that was magic and it was only because of that, um, after Second Nature, that, that we said, look, you know, we can still carry on with the projects that we're working on. We can still make an income somewhere else. Let's concentrate on Lionheart as a, a love for Lionheart. And, um, and that's what we did. But we didn't expect um, the two-year that uh, the, the album was re- being recorded really quickly because Second Nature was done in about six months. Mm. Um, with, with Reality of Miracles, um, we hit so many problems. Um, Brexit with uh, Steve living in Germany. We had so many political problems that really didn't um, really didn't I- include us, but it affected us. Um, and um, and then, of course, most of the songs were recorded. Uh, everything was ready to go. Steve was away with Schenker, so he couldn't concentrate on finishing the last parts of the album. And then, of course, when it got to the end of February, um, we come into lockdown. Um, that was the start of 
let's get this finished. And it was finished within two or three months. So mm. it, it, for us, I know it's a long-winded answer, but for us to go mm-hmm. to go through all that two years of, of delay and heartache, um, suddenly we got a new lease of life. Of anything good that anything come out of this dreadful thing um, would be us getting this, this album finished. Right. And, and you know, what's interesting, Dennis, is that um, for as much as that sounds very tumultuous and difficult, you've created a release with uh, the reality of miracles that is surprisingly cohesive. I mean, it is, it is an easy flowing release from start to finish. You know, was, was that difficult in itself to do, to, to create music that flowed so fluidly, especially when you know, no? no, so carry carry on. Well, no, that, I, I was just going to say, especially since you had so many things to overcome, a lot of times that would lead to, you know, kind of a disjointed record a song here, write a song there, and have it not quite fit as well as it does together. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, you're correct. Yeah, um, it, is, it is strange. But the funny thing was that I remember two, oh, two and a bit years ago, we were on tour with Air Race in the UK, and um, um, the tour got cancelled. Uh, the last two shows were were, were cancelled because the singer in Air Race, his sister had died, and um, they had to get the singer back to Wales, and so the tour couldn't carry on. And out of respect for the lady, that we said we wouldn't do any more shows, and we would book them in at a later date. But it was that evening that we drove to Rockies, and it was just before Christmas. And um, that was two years ago, maybe even longer. And um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, and we were talking about these songs uh, for the new album after, after Second Nature uh, had been out. And um, Rocky, we sat in Rocky's house in Grantham, and he said, "Look, I've got these few three or four songs that I've been knocking around with." And I said, "Well, I've got these couple of songs, one song, two songs. I've got this idea." And um, we started. Uh, in two days we stayed at Rockies we were just bouncing ideas off of one another and it, it seems to flow so naturally because we have this um, uh, I don't know connection sure. if you call it that uh, um, and the good thing about Lee is because Lee's such a great writer um, on, on Second Nature when I wrote 30 years I wrote the first verse and the chorus and I said to him look Lee this is about anyone that's experienced what I have over the last 30 years of playing, touring, been around the world, conquered my fears, you know, things like that. Um, he took that song away and came back with some fantastic lyrics. And we can trust him to sort of like get an idea that Steve will get an idea of a song and he will give it to Lee and Lee will then go to town with the lyrics. But I think the way we, way we write separately mm-hmm. always seems to gel with the the feel of Lionheart knowing that you're writing a song regarding the harmony guitars which we've always been in love with with sure. which has always been my love from Wishbone Ash and then the, when I first played with Iron Maiden um, playing showing Dave Murray a harmony guitar riff which Maiden had never really used right. um, because they would just had one guitarist and uh and at the end of the day, it was written, the songs are written around the harmony guitars and the harmony vocals. And Lee just puts the icing on the cake with the lead vocal and some, 
some great lyrics. So it's it's not done on purpose. I think it's just naturally that when you're writing this song, you've got harmony vocals in mind, you've got harmony guitars in mind, and it's got to it's got to be the kind of music that we love, and we've always been in love with the AOR. Uh, American uh, bands like The Journeys and Your Foreigners and Your Totos. We've always been in, in love with them bands since we were 16, 17 and listening to the Steve Lukather and things like that. We've always been in love with, you know, Journey and, and Neil Sean and Steve Perry. We've always been followers of them bands. So sure. it's it's hard not to, not to write a song in that sort of style, if you know what I mean. Sure. Now, Dennis, I, I, I've always been curious about your career after Iron Maiden. If you think, and this is this is my thought, you could tell me that I'm full of shit if that's the case, but I have always thought that in a way, the association that always comes with you with Iron Maiden has actually hurt your ability to branch out away from metal. I mean, you've recorded a bunch of really, really great melodic melodic rock music you know whether it's lionheart and, and especially even the diano stratton records were very you know strong melodic rock stuff but i think people because every press release you've ever had i think says former iron maiden guitarist dennis stratton and it automatically makes people look for metal and then when they don't hear it they don't give it a fair chance is that fair uh, yeah I, I think you're. I think you're 100 percent right. Um, we we noticed that. Well, we witnessed that with Def Leppard in in 1981 and 82, because um, you know everyone in the UK, the minute Def Leppard started singing "Hello America" and things like that, and we went on tour with Def Leppard, and they got a really rough ride because they'd sold out and because they were the 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 guys from Sheffield that were trying to make out they were from LA. So. I imagine it, it, it does affect you that way. I've always tried to um, people's people's taste in heavy metal. Um, luckily for me, I've got to say, um, from the minute um, I departed from from Iron Maiden, although the Maiden fans haven't supported uh, Lionheart uh, so much. And I know that the Maiden fans hasn't supported Iamantis so much. But what I've found, I've been really lucky, the fact that the fans accept me uh, for who I am and what I am. Like, I can I can go anywhere in the world and play the the, the, the set I play in Europe, uh, which I was supposed to be playing this this week and last week in, in Brazil, um, is, a, is the first, well, the first album all the way through. Uh, and half the second album, which is what I worked on with Killers and stuff like that, um, I worked on them songs. So that's my work. So I'm quite capable of being able to go on stage and play what I actually put into them songs. And I don't think anyone would, would begrudge me that. Or, you know, Rod Smallwood or Steve Harris. Well, I, I spoke to Steve Harris last night. Yeah. And I'm, I'm quite sure I speak to him all the time. I'm quite sure that they don't mind me doing these shows. But... Um, as far as the Iron Maiden fans go, I've been very lucky that they've taken me under their wing and they've still treated me like one of their boys because wherever I go, I can. I was in Vegas uh, last year, October, uh, with Maiden, with Steve and the guys, and we, it was eight or ten of us went over there from the UK 
We had a great week in, in Vegas. Whenever I go to the O2, whenever I go to the download, I'm accepted by the maiden fans. And every time I walk anywhere, they're always chanting and they're always cheering because they've accepted me the way I am. That I'm not a heavy metal guy, but they accept me for the person I am as part of the Maiden family, if you say, if you see what I mean. Sure. sure. Yeah. No doubt. And, and well, Dennis, I, imagine, I imagine that you're right in a way that record sales, uh, you're not going to get many Iron Maiden fans buying a line art album, but you also might get a few of them that just want to have a listen. So I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just real quick, Dennis, you know, I mean, you kind of brought it up before about, you know, you were talking about when, you know, when Lionheart started, uh, after you um, after you were no longer in Iron Maiden, um, the band, I mean, everybody in the band, you, the, the song Lionheart, it was such a, a very new wave of British heavy metal type of song. And it's really just sort of, I guess, that one track that really, I think, got a lot of people excited, thinking, okay, he, you know, this is, I mean, you had members yourself, you had also members in the band were from Tigers of Pantang and Def Leppard. So it was obvious that that would probably be the, the I guess the way you guys would go about you know making uh, music in the beginning, but then obviously you listen to a song like Dealer, uh, another great song. But you could tell with Dealer, um, it was sort of going towards more of that, like you said, the, uh, a lot of the harmonies and more of the um, you know maybe com- com- I wouldn't say commercial sound, but just a little a little less of that new wave of Brit- British heavy metal. So what, when, and why did the band change? Its, you know, its sound exactly so drastically after that Lionheart track, because it was just a, it was such a huge change, um, which I think a lot of fans might have yeah. gotten a little confused about. Well, I think, I think um, when we first started in 1980, the idea was uh, that we wanted to get a bunch of songs together um, as quickly as possible to what a strike while the iron was still hot from Iron Maiden and with Jess Cox leaving Tigers of Pang Tang, although Jess didn't last very long because we didn't realise that he couldn't sing very well. And Mm. when you've got three backing vocals like me, Rocky and Steve, um, you really need a powerful singer. And uh, he just didn't didn't cut it. Um, So when you've got uh, a band um, trying to get a bunch of songs together as quickly as possible, you sort of tend to go towards the new wave of British heavy metal. But then I think only a few months went by when we realised that... um, uh, the, the the influences that we had from Toto and from Foreigner and from Journey and Kansas and so on, um, the influences we had uh, seemed to affect uh, our love for what we wanted to play. So I think it was it was a it was an own up time. It was hands on the table, cards on the table. Um, you know, what sort of band do we want? You know, do we want to go like? Do we want to imitate? A heavy metal band, or uh, do we just want to play from the heart and and um, go the way we we believe and we enjoy doing? And I think that's w- what we did. And um, the album we got together with Hot to like with Kevin Beamish, um, mm-hmm. we thought we had a bunch of songs that were not too heavy, but heavy enough. Um, the production was not very good. We weren't that happy with with the production on Hot Tonight, but. And also the way Kevin Beamy's got Chad, the singer, to mm-hmm. sing like Michael Jackson, uh, because Chad certainly didn't sing like that before we went to LA. But for some reason, uh, Chad thought that if he sung every song at the top of his range, 
uh, like Michael Jackson, it would make make a big impression. Well, it didn't. It made it worse. So uh, for us, the whole first album, Hot Tonight, and going to LA with a Kenny Mingus, uh, ended up being a complete nightmare for us. So that sort of set us back a good year or two because when we come back from C- CBS Records, went from LA to New York. When we came back, we didn't. We wasn't put on any tours. We didn't have any any tour support from CBS. We didn't have any help because we didn't have a manager. It was just a disaster. So the first album just seemed to come out and dwindle away. It just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've always believed in the Lionheart sound and the harmony guitars and the harmony vocals. And, and with Second Nature, uh, what you say about the uh, um, writing the songs, um, I just think it, it's just natural. It comes out naturally. You can't, you know, I think I wrote 30 years on Second Nature because I was talking to Steve Harris about us writing it together. And uh, he was up for it. Uh, but then something happened and he had to go away and he couldn't he couldn't get involved. Um, but I had to write that song as a heavy riff because um, Steve was going to be involved. So I tried to tend to lean towards the heavy rock side of it with that song, 30 Years, um, although he wasn't involved. And um, it's the same on this album. You know, Lee came up with his track, Five Tribes, and he came out of nowhere. And we thought, Jesus, it's like Lionheart has been reborn, you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things where, where I think we don't purposely do it. It's just naturally the way the music we listen to and that's the way the song starts to develop through your inner, inner, inner mind or something, your inner conscious, whatever. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just as a, a two-part question I, I have here for you, just real quick. I mean, I did read, you know, in the press release that originally, you know, when you guys um, – took a break back in the mid eighties. A lot of it was due to managerial problems as well as the fact that, you know, the momentum you guys uh, just didn't feel anymore. It was sort of, it wasn't there anymore. Um, But what was interesting when I read that statement and what you normally read when bands break up is it's usually due to musical creative or even personal differences. And there's none of that in there, which explains, and you mentioned to, you know, you mentioned about this earlier when we first started talking that you guys never actually sort of broke up. It's just sort of because you guys were busy no. with all the other bands. Did all that time away from each other between Steve, Rocky, and yourself, did it make the three of you guys realize how good the chemistry indeed was, regardless of the fact that you may have not reached that bar that you set for yourselves on that first record, Hot Tonight, back in 84? Well, the, the funny thing was, um, you, you, just said, you just said the right thing again, because um, it was it was the fact of being let down so badly with, we were supposed to be on tour with REO Speedwagon. That got that got cancelled. We were supposed to be on tour with Kansas. That got kept postponed. We were supposed to be on tour with this bloke. Never, it never happened. And in the end, you get disillusioned. And what happened was, we 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 come away and we were hurt and we were really we put everything into it, you know. And then we decided that it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't the fact of us breaking up, as you said. Um, we kept in contact. We kept writing little songs together. Uh, we'd always text one another wherever Rocky and Steve would be with Schenker or wherever they were. And I'd be in Japan with Prayer Mantis and I might meet up with Steve. It was one of those things where um, you didn't, you didn't, although you didn't get together as as regular as you could, you should, um, the, the feeling was still there. But what you said just now was, it wasn't the fact of uh, realising how much uh, the chemistry was missing. I'll tell you when it happened was when 
Pony Canyon asked us to do that album uh, with all the old songs that we had that were actually got um, and the, and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Archives. The, the funny thing was, we got we got into the studio, the three of us, and we hadn't seen one another for years. But the chemistry then we knew it was one of those things where you didn't miss them because you, you're too busy doing other things. You missed the, the banter, you missed the fun. But it was getting back to do that album and finished getting that album mixed, which Steve did all the mastering and everything else and the mixing. Uh, once we'd done that, it was like a one one day, you know, we'll, we'll do it, we'll have another go one day. And we kept in contact. And it was only the fact that we got this call to do Rockingham and we got together here in Saffron Walden, where I live, uh, studios here. And it was, as soon as we picked up the guitars and started playing, you just looked at one another and you, you know, there were certain things that you thought, what's coming next? What's the verse? What's the words? What's the chorus? Right. But mm-hmm. the, all of a sudden, the lyrics, the words just come out of your mouth. You're looking at one another going, mm-hmm. you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know what we were going to sing there, but it just came to me as we got to that part. And mm-hmm. you then realize that's the way the chemistry was, is when you meet up again. And um, and then after Rockingham, that was it. When, when we said, let's do Second Nature, uh, and because you, you, it's easy now, isn't it, with, um, you know, with uh, Wi-Fi, WhatsApp, and everything mm-hmm. else, you can, you can record an album in different countries and just, Steve would just piece it together like the jigsaw in, in Germany, you know. So it's quite easy to record the album. But that, that's, that's when you really know how much you've missed, is when you all meet up again and go, God, really missed you, you know, and that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. how it felt, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, um, Dennis, one of the probably unsung bonuses that you have is actually having Steve as a member of the band and doing all the production because you, yeah. he already relates to the music that's being created. He's not trying to figure out the music as well as figure out how to make it sound. He knows instinctively what it's supposed to sound like because he helped create it. No, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I'll tell you as well, you, you couldn't be, you're spot on, you're hundred percent every time I say this, because <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can be sitting here in, in the in the bedroom on my laptop and with the with a guitar and just on on Cubase and I'll just put some harmony guitars down a little riff. There's that play a few calls for a verse. I can send that to Steve on WhatsApp or on a voice recorder from the phone because mm-hmm. I don't have internet. I don't have internet here at the farm, so um, it's all done by. Uh, carrier pigeon and uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't I, I'm quite it's like living in a cave up there um I don't have the internet so basically I just record it on the phone or record it on the cubase then I'll record the song on display on my phone and I'll, I'll whatsapp to him and I guarantee within about half an hour he would have listened to that on the phone he would have sat down in the studio and he would have a backing track with half that song already done uh, and he'll send it back to me, and he'll say, "Is this what you mean?" And it is spot on. So it, it is telepathic. It is one of the things that you said. Mixing um, when, when we're putting, you know, he's a fantastic producer. Yeah. He's a multi instrumentalist, and some of the keyboard stuff he puts down and, and effects is fantastic. But he'll always say, oh, "Here's a rough mix of, of so-and-so. Here's a rough mix of a track." 
tell me what you think. And within 15 minutes, myself, Rocky, Lee, Clive, will all always be texting him straight away and saying, Steve, that's fantastic, but stop it. Then he can build on it, knowing, taking everyone's feelings into consideration. And that's how we work, which is so fast as well. Right. Definitely. Now, um, Dennis, one, one last quick question. It's kind of, it's almost the same question I asked you before, but it's kind of, I'm going to word it differently because I, I, I have a different thought. I have always thought, you know, earlier I asked you about the, uh, the stigma of Iron Maiden. I almost wonder if the legend of Iron Maiden has, has affected not only you, but anybody that, that has, has been in the band because it seems like at least to my ear you've created a lot of great music outside of iron maiden but so is blaze bailey so is paul diano and none of you guys have been able to really use that to your advantage you know and and i just i just wonder do you think that the that being associated with a band that is you know arguably one of the top what five in the history of the genre holds back yeah. anybody that is not a current member of the band? Um, I, I think, to be honest with you, um, because over the last 30 years or whatever, um, Maiden have moved along so fast and, and grown um, massively so fast. And what's been, I think what happens really is that um, uh, they, they, generate um a new fan base every day there'll be people coming younger babies uh, kids at school they they won't even know anything about the first two albums so i think by the time you know we've we've tried in in i remember going to um to los angeles in 84 and um there were people i spoke to in los angeles that had never even heard of iron maiden so they were still trying to create this, you know, this empire, which right. they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me personally, I, I think it moved in such a fast pace that people get left behind. So, um, well, whatever, Paul, in a way, Paul Diano, he seems to mess things up himself a lot. Um, I think that's not down to the fans. I think it's just down to the person of, who doesn't manage himself properly, I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, we took we took a change of direction in the music, so I can quite understand uh, Iron Maiden fans not loving Lionheart sure. because it's not their kind of music. But I think because of the sheer pace that um, Iron Maiden grew throughout the world, um, suddenly the first few albums get lost. And the funny thing is, um, it's only been the last um, 10 years or so. Uh, when it came to 30-year anniversary, the first album, uh, or 20 years, you start getting recognition of it. You start getting recognition right. from fans. And and be- as I say, because I think they moved at such a sheer uh, speed, uh, people get left behind, the, the original lineup get left behind. I think my only saving grace is why people remember me and Deano is and Clive is the fact that we were the original lineup. We were on the first album, and that first album stood its test of time. So, uh, I I think that uh, people will always remember that first album, 
And a lot of the times, uh, a lot of people have said to me, they prefer the early stuff than they do mm-hmm. the later stuff. But mm-hmm. that's down to personal opinion. Sure. Um, but as, as I say, I, I think it was just a case of being left behind. And uh, if people don't want it, they see Lionheart, they're not interested because they know it's not Iron Maiden. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a praying mantis. 15 years of praying mantis, we did some great albums. Sure. But we never actually we never actually got any further up that ladder mm-hmm. uh, to make it into the next the next level. Right. No, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. People, if they if they're gonna leave behind the the old Iron Maiden stuff, they better look forward to this brand new release, The Reality of Miracles. It is Lionheart. It's a fantastic release for anybody that likes album oriented rock or melodic rock or just straight up rock and roll. Um, I'll tell you what, Dennis, as a tradition on the, on the show, we always, um, let the artist pick a, a track for us to, to feed the people a little taste of, maybe tell us a quick story about it. So what would you like us to share with our fans? Well, Jesus, Jesus. Um, uh, okay. I'm going to pick my, one of my own songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't tell you the story of other songs cause you'd have to ask Steve or True. Lee or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to pick kingdom of the East because when we came back from touring over in Japan, um, uh, with Prime Mantis and my old band, funny enough, it was, that was a fantastic tour cause I got to play with them again on stage in, in Tokyo. Um, we did a couple of numbers from the old albums, but, um, I wrote this song when we come back from Japan and it was one of the first ones we actually started demoing for the new album Kingdom of the East because uh, it was just a tribute to all all the fans in Japan that have supported up Lionheart and Prayer Mantis over the last 30 years so it, it was one of those things where I, um, I wanted to dedicate a song to them so um, it's just a shame that it took took two years to get onto the album (laughs) (laughs) no doubt well let's check it out right now it's kingdom of the east and um this is aftershocks Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions. Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.